Scream 2 Reality Entertainment presents the Think Tank Podcast. Starring your host, he's a podcaster, photographer, filmographer, writer, conspiracy fascist, entrepreneur, explorer, color commentator, picky eater, beer ninja, secret agent, and the world's most influential humanoid, he is Ryan the Area Man. And now, coming to you pre-recorded from the very secretive D2R Studios, deep undercover in the world's deepest, darkest, most secure, Hadron Collider and Nuclear Bomb Tested and Approved Doomsday Bunker, here is Ryan the Area Man! What's up? I'm Ryan the Area Man. This is the Think Tank Podcast. Joining me once again for this intro is Dave. Hello. What's up, buddy? What up, bro? Week two of Jim Fetzer being in studio. I'm still super flabbergasted that he came down and, and just his knowledge and his demeanor, man. He's a cool dude. Like, yeah. For real, he's a cool dude. So much information. Yeah. Um, but today, probably way more controversial than last week. For sure. Because we're going to talk about Sandy Hook, the, the shooting there, uh, the Boston bombing. He basically uh, is going to tell you how Everything you heard on the news about both of these incidents, complete and utter bullshit. Yep. Complete and utter bullshit. And he will stand by that. And he basically says, it's all bullshit. Yep. It is all bullshit. It's so, funny because like, when, when I first went into it, like I was really big into the JFK thing. We've talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I've been there. And then like, I kind of knew before you know, he came in that San Diego was bullshit, but I didn't know how much bullshit it really was. And now when just this episode you're about to hear... Like, it blew my mind, man. I can't. I called her on the way home. I was like, oh, my God, i got to show you so much shit. So I spent probably an hour showing her shit that we talked about. Her being Joy. Yeah, Joy, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I just thought that was implied. But, yeah, I, I was explaining to her, and she's even now kind of like, whoa, what the fuck, you know? Well, because um, once he shows you all this proof, it's hard to refute it yeah. at that point, which is probably yeah. why his book got banned on Amazon. Yeah, because they don't want us to know the real, the real, true story, yeah. and that's it. You know, I think he's probably the only one that's got it a hundred percent right. He might be ninety nine percent right, but he's got so much documentation and evidence that says, yeah, it's total bullshit. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing. He does everything based on fact. Yeah, yeah. He does. It's he, not like oh, I'm just uh, pulling shit out of the air here right. and, and slapping it down and saying this is what. No, he's he is he not only him, but he's compiled. Right. Yes. Experts in all these different fields to contribute Mm -hmm. to backing up. It's not a theory. It's that's why I don't I don't like conspiracy theory. I like conspiracy fact because that's what this is. It's a conspiracy fact. Is what he's bringing to the table. We're we're conspiracy factists. Yeah, and that should be. That's what uh, Brett really should say in the intro when he's announcing. Yeah, Uh, but he he said fascist. Um, but I never had him re-record because I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. But it he should factors. say factors. And I must have never really explained that when he says that. But, yeah, I'm not working it out of there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another uh, bit of uh, podcast with Jim today. In yeah. And, and all the parents out there that are so sure that all these kids died at Sandy Hook and how, how insensitive and how 
immoral we are for thinking that it's bullshit, you really seriously need to listen to this stuff and look into it for yourself. Yeah. Open your mind. Yeah. Just because CNN or whatever tells you this is what it is, is not what it always is. Right. Hence why we have this whole fake news war going on. Mm-hmm. It's not bullshit, and it's not just Trump or whoever saying, oh, fake news, fake news. That's literally fake news. You were all fed fake news, and you all believed it. And it's not your fault. Right. Because you trust that you know your government it's, and it's the news a, are going to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's a narrative to push gun control. Regardless right. of what you want to believe, that's what it is. Oh, kids died. Yeah, they went off of your emotions with that. And nobody wants to see kids die. Do you know anybody that wants to see kids die? Nobody wants no. kids to die. So they play off that emotion, mm-hmm. and and, every, and they all sign it in, sign whatever you need to sign. Let's get these guns banned. That's not a, that's, it's stupid. Yep. And Jim will explain it all. So uh, be ready. You're gonna want to re-listen to this episode. Yeah. Uh, Take notes seriously, because all the websites and stuff we talk about, you need to look at that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's no joke. It's serious. It's no joke, man. Um, but you can buy his books. Uh, Dude, you could get his. Nobody died at Sandy Hook book for free in a PDF version yeah. online. And he tells you where to go. Yeah. So I'm not going to repeat it now. Right, I believe right. it was rents.com. Something, something yeah. like that. And you can go there and get it for free. If you're, after hearing this, I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, you should go just buy the book. You can't buy that one particularly on Amazon. No. Uh, but you can buy it uh, going to his website, moonrockbooks.com, and get that book. Or you can get the free PDF. But the mm. Moonrock Books version is updated and revised correct so there's more to it but if you want to just see you can get the pdf yeah it doesn't cost um, you anything if you need yeah. a pdf version yeah. listen to our you know the podcast go to websites and just do the google searches and stuff that we talk about it's all free it's not going to cost you anything but time to see if it's true or not yeah and I, I guarantee if you actually listen to this with an open open mind open heart and you look into it you will be astonished at how much bullshit that they tell us. You're going to wake up. This is yeah. one of those things that forces you to wake up. Yeah. Or at least start seeing it, seeing things for the way it actually is, not the nonsense that they want you to think. Right. Um, but anyways, he's got a bunch of books. You can get them by going to theairyman.com, clicking the sponsor tab, then the Amazon banner. Uh, Amazon kicks us back a small percentage. Um so go do that. Just go there, search his name, and whatever you buy, if you've clicked our banner, it, they give us a small percentage. So it's a win for us, win for them, and win for you because you're getting a cool-ass item. It's a three-way win tie. Yep. Uh, also, phoenixbeardoils.com. Dave, that's your website. It is. Talk about it. Uh, basically, you go there, you get yourself some beard oils. They're nice and smelly. They make your beard nice and soft, makes it shine nice, gives it a good softness, a good good color. Good growth uh, promotes a lot of good things. There's a lot of reasons why you should be, use beard oil, whether you're just starting out with a little tiny little man patch up here, soul patch, or whatever. You got a full bushy beard, mustache, yeah, a little mustache, anything, man. Yeah. Um, definitely use it. I actually have one that you can buy that helps fill in the patches. Um, a couple of guys use that, and they say that it works really well for them, and it's actually working. Let me guess, it's called patchless. It is called patchless. Whoa, yeah. So um, definitely check it out. Uh, like I mentioned on the last episode. It doesn't have to be for beards, you know. You can use it on, you know, your diffusers or things of that nature. You can do it whenever you would do an essential oil with. Obviously, don't drink it or eat it because it's not healthy for you for that reason. Right. But, yeah, if you want something to smell nice, use it. It's it, They're all very good scents. Um, if there's a scent that you want to have and I don't have, hit me up. 
you know, hit the contact page, let me know. I'll work on concocting something for you, and we'll see from there. Now, what other uh, oil company can you do that with? You know what I mean? None. Exactly. So go do that, phoenixbeardoils.com. When you're checking out, enter the promo code D2R. That's off the name of the network. Everybody's confused <laughs> by that. And you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Can't beat that. No. And Dave actually honors that 10%. Sure do. So, you know, some, pl- some places say it and then don't do it. No, no, I do it. But Dave does it. So you can't beat that. Um, yeah, let's get into the episode, Dave. You ready to talk about Sandy Hook? Hell to the yeah. We don't do much talking. But Jim's going to tell us about Sandy Hook. He is. Open up your ears and listen. going to get into Sandy Hook. Uh, your first book to be banned at Amazon. Um, well, I guess let's talk about Sandy Hook and uh, this whole charade that was Sandy Hook. Um, where do we start with this? Was Adam Lanza even real? No, Adam Lanza appears to be a fabricated character in the book, which was banned by Amazon less than a month after it been put on sale, which was actually published by its own subsidiary, CreateSpace, on the purported grounds that we violated their guidelines Mm -hmm. without any further specification when we did not, includes Chapter 7, 50 photographs showing the furnishing of an empty house to serve as the Adam Lanza residence. Uh, One of them, I mean, you see Autumn Lanza's bedroom made up neat, made up messy, so they hadn't decided how they were going to pitch it. But obviously when the police arrived, when the forensic crew did their thing, it was either neat or it was messy. It wasn't both. Mm -hmm. So you get a signs right off the beginning from this record of photographs that something isn't right. Um there are all kinds of details that are exposed thereby, but the most interesting of those photographs is of the Nancy Alonza bedroom, where Adam allegedly shot her with a twenty-two caliber rifle multiple times in the head. And there's some red stuff on the bed, but it doesn't look to me like blood. I think it might be raspberry jam. And there's a wooden chest at the at the foot of the bed, and there are forms there. They were keeping records of how they were arranging the rooms. So you find them in many of the other photographs, too. And then beneath the leg of the bed, Kelly Watt, who had a very keen eye, she has her own commercial and home cleaning service, noticed a blue moving pad that in their haste they'd forgotten to remove. Wow. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Yeah. They got 50 photographs of them refurbishing the school to serve as the stage, including the moving vans, <laughs> including you know a name tag for the classroom that's still got the moving tag on it. Where the most interesting by far is a, a photograph in front of the school where the SWAT team's already there. You look just above the top of the SWAT team in these four windows in classroom 10 that are undamaged, 
proof that this is taken before the event. Mm-hmm. You have the flag at full mast. You have crime scene tape up for a crime that is yet to be committed and reclining against a wall with his arms folded is none other than Wayne Carver medical examiner awaiting for the arrival of his portable mortuary tent. We initially thought this photograph was taken the morning of the 14th. It turns out to have been taken the evening of the 13th. But what's flawless is they're already there and nothing's happened yet. And in fact, we have further complementary photographs where you see the windows before and after they're shot out. We have photographs of the perps drilling holes to simulate bullets passing through the window frame. We have pink rods inserted into those holes, and they're all exactly parallel with one another, 90 degrees to the window frame. It is fantasy, you know. I used to supervise marksmanship training at Edson Range Camp Pendleton for the recruits with my 15 DIs and 300 going through the training cycle. And no one with any experience in marksmanship would give any credence to this obviously fabricated. And, in fact, it's very interesting, after the book was banned, InfoWars published a piece about the banning, and they used an even better quality version of that very photograph. The article was up for 38 minutes. It had 138 comments before they took it down and even wiped it clean. I don't think you can even catch it if you'd use a Wayback Machine. Why? Because they gave the photo credit correctly to Connecticut State Police. <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> the cops, in fact, had taken photographs of the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah. All scam. One of the interesting cases is that uh, they claim that these, the evacuation, see, according to the official report by state's attorney, Stephen Sedensky, there were 489 students there. You subtract 20, that's 469 to be evacuated, not to count the 70 other custodians, secretaries, administrative staff. And they specified locations and times where the evacuation was taking place. Well, we just happened to have dash cam footage for those locations and times, and there's nobody there. (laughs) It's often claimed that you can't prove a negative, but the fact is you could prove the negative that there's no elephant in your living room, for example, by going to your living room and looking for signs of the presence of elephant. Finding none, you're entitled to infer that's because there is no elephant in your living room. Analogously, if an evacuation is supposed to be taking place at certain locations and times, and you go to those footage of those locations and times and there's nothing there, you're entitled to infer that's because no evacuation was taking place. In fact, the photograph of a string of kids that appeared on the front pages of virtually every newspaper in the world was itself staged. It was taken by Shannon Hicks, who is a f- photographer for the Newtown Bee. I was just dumbfounded when I discovered there was a second photograph taken previous to the one that was given worldwide distribution. Well, you can see parents... In the background, standing there looking on with their arms folded, their hands in their pockets. And where the policewoman is rearranging the kids in the line. So in the earlier photograph where all the parents are present, it's a little girl in a pink sweater and a short skirt at the front of the line. They moved her back and put a little boy in blue jeans and a dark sweater a bit taller in front to get a better shot. Mm -hmm. Now stop and ask yourself, if this were an emergency, are they going to stop and rearrange the kids to get a better shot? And who would have thought in the midst of a horrendous child massacre to call parents? I mean, 
this just becomes so ludicrous, and Shannon Hicks has acknowledged formally in writing, having taken both of the photographs, but insists they're authentic. Well, the authentic as photographs, yeah, they are real photographs, but it's a <laughs> stage <laughs> scenario. Right. You can tell something's wrong just from an aerial photograph of the parking lot. This is all it takes to prove the whole thing is a hoax. Because you will not see the familiar blue and white painted parking spaces, blue and white signage for the handicapped. What happened is in 2008, the school, which was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards, damaged by hurricanes, they had to make the decision whether or not to upgrade to conform with Americans for Disability Act state and federal requirements. I actually read the law. And that would have required a massive refurbishing of the school. They didn't want to extend the expense because it would have been so massive. They had to make everything wheelchair accessible. So if you look at other photographs of the school, you see, for example, a wooden stairway coming out that no wheelchair could navigate. Well, that tells you right there they aren't compliant. Therefore, they could not have been legally operating in 2008 or thereafter as a, as a public school. Mm-hmm. And you go inside and there's all kinds of stuff that are indicative the school was being used for storage. They even have things crammed into beer boxes for all things, you know. <laughs> Corona, as I recall. Well, you know how those little kids in the kindergartens before the grade yeah. like their beer. That's right. Especially and, Corona. And, and we had these videos from inside and out that we had up for months and months before I edited the book, and we're getting all kinds of comments from former teachers who said, yeah, that's what they do with abandoned schools. They use them for storage. We had a plumber look and say, well, they yanked out a commode here, but that was just a pretense to make it look as though it was handicap accessible. It obviously wasn't. In addition to the fact that there are none of the required parking areas that show it could not have been legally operating, it was a 28-degree Fahrenheit ground temperature day. That means to have been open, they would have had to heat the school. But there's no steam or heat rising from the building. And, of course, the explanation is evident, namely, that the boilers were so decrepit for non-use for all those years that they couldn't fire them up. So there's another tell. The third is if you look at the vehicles in the middle rows there, they're all parked facing the school. Well, that's ridiculous. Driving instructor show, you come in off of Dickinson Drive, you trail right, and then you turn around and park facing away. But it was so much simpler just to bring him in in single file and put him in two by two by two by two. They just did that. They're props. I mean, who's going to notice? Mm-hmm. So just by looking at an arrow photograph, you can tell this whole thing was totally fraudulent. We watched a video where they, if it was a helicopter shot from above, and the people come in one side of the building, come out, circle around the building, and go back in, and, and to make it look like it was an active scene. Yeah. It's it was silly looking. The building was a firehouse, and uh, Sophia Smallstrom, who who put together a, a brilliant documentary, including Sandy Hook and Two, Three, Four, and Five Dimensions, featured that phenomenon. She begins, actually, with another marksman who's an expert talking about the phenomenal kill-to-target ratio. You know, this is a kid who was supposed to weigh about 120 pounds, six feet tall, a string bean, carrying like 30, 40 pounds of weapons and gear and all. It's ridiculous from the yeah. beginning. Mm-hmm. And then for him to, to kill all these kids, when Wayne Carver came out, the medical examiner, you know, he didn't know how many were boys, how many were girls. He didn't know how many times they'd been hit. I think he said somewhere from three to 11. 11 shots in one child? The, the case of Noah Posner is particularly interesting because his father, Lenny, has been uh, uh, just uh, unbelievably aggressive 
in going after websites that uh, expose Sandy Hook as a charade, uh, that uh, the whole thing was uh, fabricated. He's a father of Noah, alleged to be one of the victims, the youngest supposedly, who is extremely photogenic and appears to have been used in ads for various commercial projects and, and products in his time. But Noah's the most unusual little boy because not only did he die on 14 December 2012, but he died uh, two years later in Pakistan uh, on the 16th of December. Another shooting there was photo shows up. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but Kelly Watt, whom I mentioned before, had over 100 co- hours of conversation with Lenny Posner. She told him she didn't believe a thing he said. She didn't believe he had a son. She didn't believe he died there. And at one point, uh, Lenny inadvisably uh, sent her a copy of a death certificate which turned out to be a fabrication. It was the bottom half of a real death certificate, the top half of a fake. It didn't even have a file number. It had the wrong estimated time of death <laughs> at 11 a.m. when the shooting took place, 9.30, 9.35. It's obvious the bottom half, the texture is completely different than the texture of the top. So, you know, since you must appreciate that if these kids had actually died, he would have had a real death certificate to produce when he puts out a fake one. You realize something's wrong. Not only that... But other of our contributors to the book had surmised that they had used photographs of kids that were about 10 years out of date because they're shown wearing clothing that was not in style, even yeah. in, you know, among kids in elementary schools uh, in uh, 2012. And, in fact, we discovered a video where one of the kids actually attended his own funeral. Okay. <laughs> wow. And more recently, with regard to Noah Posner, I published several blogs because several students were doing research on this, and they turned out more photographs. And the discovery that Lenny had on his one side, an interview, you know, showing uh, Noah talking about a specific episode from Spider-Man that appeared to have been something he just viewed. I mean, all the recollections of details and all were very specific which suggested that something was wrong with the dating. And, in fact, we dug into it more, and we discovered when we compared, uh, Kelly Watt had been the first to notice that there was a certain resemblance between Michael Fabner, who, according to the official narrative, was Noah's older step-brother, step-brother, and Noah. And she showed pictures of the two of them and asked friends, you know, doesn't this look like? And they say, oh, yeah, that's the same kid, just grown up. So we pursued it and put together a whole lot of evidence substantiating that this was uh, uh, the same kid all grown up. Where Larry Rivera, who'd done this brilliant work about Lee Oswald creating these gifts, created a gift where we transferred from little Noah Posner to his older stepbrother, and they're the same person, same jaw, same ears, same eyes. Same ears. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, so you can find that online. If you go to Sandy Hook Charade, Noah Posner, in quotes, was Michael Vabner as a child. I mean, anyone who has any lingering doubts, and yet we have things like this absurdity, this uh, film Newtown, where this uh, uh, the so-called parents are you know, expressing their grief and emotions, but it's absolutely, totally fraudulent. They designed this very cleverly from the point of view of social psychology and emotional impact. Mm-hmm. But we've had so many exposés, one of the best, 
is of uh, David Wheeler, who, with his wife Francine, where they're both B-grade actors, were actually flown down to the White House, and Francine was given the opportunity by Barack Obama to give an address to the nation from the Oval Office, something that had only been done by Joe Biden, Vice President of the United States. Well, uh, Barry Sartaro has discovered that uh, David Wheeler was not only playing the role of a grieving father, he was also playing the role of a SWAT team member. And he's found footage where he's walking back and forth on Dickinson Drive in, in, in utilities in a helmet and a, and a bulletproof vest, carrying an automatic weapon upside down by the magazine. <laughs> now, this is so ridiculous because it demonstrates his utter incompetence. You would never carry a weapon by the magazine, which easily could come fall right out. You're pointing the weapon where it could hit anyone. It could, you know, be damaged. I mean, it's just stupid in the extreme. And he had certain features on his face, including a mole on his left cheek, that when you compare them, there's no question about it. This is David Wheeler. Exposed, broken, unbelievable, the sham. And this is a guy, Barack Obama, is flying to Washington, D.C. See, these were anti-gun lobbyists. And, in fact, it's against federal law for Air Force One to be flying lobbyists around at the taxpayer's expense. So he makes a lot of uh, really good uh, points here exposing the sham. But that's just one of many. You had Robbie Parker, another purported parent who the day after comes out of a building all jovial, laughing, smiling, grinning, in a jocular mood. Then he turns and sees the press, stops, pauses, hyperventilates to get in character, and then proceeds to solemnly address the crowd about the loss of his daughter Emily, having the presence of mind to remind them about her website and donation button. In fact, this has been such an elaborate scam that gullible Americans have contributed between 27 and $130 million to the families of the Sandy Hook victims. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, you divvy it up, that's over a million apiece, and it turns out that I'm certain that the reason Lenny is so eager to shut down critics of Sandy Hook. He doesn't want it to be exposed as a fraud. He might have to return the million dollars and might even be prosecuted for the deception. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's been very aggressive. He he pioneered a movement against James Tracy at Florida Atlantic University, who has a, is in his capacity as a member of the faculty in the Department of Communications actually had a course on uh, conspiracies and the media, how the media covers conspiracies. So he wrote the first serious academic study about Sandy Hook, which was Wayne Carver's press conference where he didn't know how many were boys and how many were girls and all that, which was quite ludicrous, and where he even says in the middle of this interview he hopes this whole thing doesn't come crashing down on the people of Newtown, which is pretty bizarre. Yeah. There's a story... I'm not in a position to confirm that he was out in Las Vegas and someone recognized him and asked him about Sandy Hook and he admitted, yeah, it was a hoax. But, of course, today he's going to seek to conceal it. But, you know, this is all. The evidence is simply utterly overwhelming. We even have the manual. Uh, there were all these signs uh, that, that were conflicting coming through the press that day. 
because you had uh, porta potties already in place. You had a sign that said uh, everyone must check in. You had boxes of bottled water and pizza at the firehouse. You had so many people with name tags on lanyards. You had parents bringing children to the scene. Well, no, no parents going to bring their child to the scene of a child shooting massacre. Right. And when we discovered the manual, it says right in the manual, everyone must check in. In fact, it's very interesting that Wolfgang Halbig, who's been a bulldog in pursuing all these things in, in, in his legal efforts, was able to get Patricia Lalorda, who's the first select man of Newtown, which is equivalent to the mayor, to acknowledge the source of the sign everyone must check in because she denied that it had been put there by the community, but acknowledged under questioning that she thought it had been placed there by Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. Which is rather interesting. Yeah. This is all in advance, Homeland Security. In fact, Dennis Camino discovered the whole Connecticut emergency communication system had been taken over earlier in the day prior to the event by unknown authorities, which appears to be FEMA and its auxiliaries. Has, has Halbeck got anywhere with his FOIA requests? Like, well, he was blocked even on something as simple as asking who, who delivered the porta potties. And of course, the fact of the matter—the fact of yeah. the matter—is they couldn't admit it because they showed up on the 13th, and the shooting only took place on the 14th, so yeah. it would have blown their cover. Yeah. And of course, these FEMA drills—we have the manual now, and and uh, it's standard for a FEMA drill. They provide restrooms and refreshments, and in fact, they have all the participants wearing name tags on lanyards with color codes that identified the role they're playing. Right. Mm-hmm. So the parents bringing children this was treated as a festive occasion. It was the rehearsal. The following day, there were other anomalies. There was no surge of EMTs into the building, no string of ambulances to rush the little bodies off to hospitals where they could be pronounced dead or alive. No medevac helicopter was called. Not even the parents were allowed to see the bodies. They were shown photographs. But, of course, that makes excellent sense when you understand the score because there were no bodies to see. In fact, right. when they destroyed, the, t- tore down the old building because it would have required such expense to overhaul. The very reason it had been abandoned back in 2008. They uh, uh, required lifetime gag orders of the workers involved in the, uh, tearing the building down. So they couldn't address anything they saw or did not see, which would have included no blood on the floors, no pockmarks from bullets striking the walls. I mean, it becomes so obvious once you realize the dimensions of the scam. Right. Yeah. I mean, so when they hired these crisis actors, are they? Do they have like a lifetime gag? These were too, these or? were synthetic families that were brought into Sandy Hook uh, over a period of years. In fact, we have some coming in as early as 2009 when they're beginning homes for zero cost. They're they're putting together synthetic families for the sake of this <laughs> event. And you got to understand, these people were probably do-gooders, you know, they're worried about gun control. They say, just think what could happen if we don't crack down on gun control. We got Eric Holder back in 1995 giving a talk to a Democratic uh, Women's National Conference saying, we've got to brainwash the public into having a different attitude toward guns. Well, I think this was part of the brainwashing activity. So they're talking about, gee, you know, something like this could happen. We could have a kid come into an elementary school and shoot up a bunch of children. So they're going to show the public what could happen, except it's presented as a real event. Of like course, taking Columbine and trying to make a present day to 
tell the narrative. Absolutely. It was totally political. Eric Holder was involved in this. Barack Obama was involved in this. A governor was involved in this. The Connecticut State the police were keeping the records. FEMA was managing the event. I mean, give me a break. And she got, got this woman then putting this awful, emotional new town of parents grieving over children who didn't die. And I tell you, anyone who wants to become convinced, I can't think of more powerful. This is all subsequent. You know, we get, we continue our research. We get further proof that confirms what we presented in Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. We now have a second edition. You can now get in, in a hard copy, uh, paperback, of course, from moonrockbooks.com. And it includes a number of chapters that weren't in the original, uh, including, by the way, as an appendix, Kelly Watts' first article offering the surmise that Adam Lanza actually was Michael Vabner as a child. So that's already there. But we've gone further, you know, and I say, go to Sandy Hook Charade. Uh, you know, Noah Posner was Michael Vabner as a child, if you, if you have any lingering doubts. Right. Now, you had gone to the uh, the school board and kind of presented some, some facts and, and asked some questions there. Did they ever respond to you guys? Yeah, Wolfgang and I traveled together up to Newtown, and we visited the school. He went to the, I think it was called the Southwest United Way, where they were taking all the funds by law. He should have been entitled to inspect them, but they brought in six or seven cops to make it, not allow him physically even into the building. We went to the Newtown Police Department, where the top three uh, officials had been involved. They refused to see us. We went over to, after lunch, we went over to the school where it had been. It, of course, had been raised, all surrounded by a chain-link fence. There was a property for sale adjacent. We got permission to go onto the property because it gave us a better view of where the school had been. And you can see a little fenced-off area where they were going to create a memorial. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, nothing was there but dirt clods. I mean, you know, this is one of the ways you cover things up. You destroy the scene of the crime, right? It's like the JFK limo was sent back to Motor Ford Motor Company and completely torn down Without and rebuilt from the ground up. They replaced the windshield. I mean, destroying this value is a, uh, it was a crime scene on wheels. Yeah. And that could only have been done by authority at the level of J. Edgar Hoover or Lyndon Johnson himself. Right. So. So that's what they did at Sandy Hook. They followed a well-known routine for covering up. But uh, I think that the, the, the story is pretty well settled. And this is why they have to abandon the ban the book. Uh, they can't let the public knowing the truth. But our research is ongoing. More and more people are catching on. I, I don't imagine this uh, new town is going to be viewed as uh, <laughs> as of any value whatsoever. No, especially, you know, it's very interesting. They had a website about it with this. Laura Snyder, whatever her name is, who was a director. And I actually put up, uh, when I discovered it, proof after proof that the whole thing had been a charade. I have included in a link to where you get a free PDF download if you go to rents.com and just do a search on Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. And, uh, and just all kinds of proof, you know. I was just laying it out there in, in a series of comments on this and, She'd come back with totally dismissive and no, 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 you know, as though I were making this up, you know, as though 13 contributors, including six PhD current or retired college professor, just pull this stuff and make it up out of thin air, you know. Right. She, she couldn't possibly admit that she was part of an elaborate hoax, but of course, she is part of an elaborate hoax. Do you, are there people that are part of this hoax that don't even realize they're part of this hoax? 
Well, there are a lot of citizens who've been taken in because of the emotional impact, the idea that 20 first graders, you know, they wanted to get something innocent children, say. So first graders are perfect. Right. Well, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, so if you lived near that school, don't you think you would have heard all these gunshots go oh, off? Yeah. And, oh, sure, sure. I mean, In fact, initially there were residents saying they thought it was very odd to raise children there because the school had been abandoned years ago. Right. They were saying that. How do you keep yeah. those But then, you see, you had the, the head of the Connecticut State Police on the scene, this lieutenant, saying, we're going to prosecute anyone who takes exception to the official account. He said that. He announced yeah. it, made clear, we're going to prosecute them. Yeah, his press release. Yeah, yeah. well, yep. that right during this uh, press conference with Wayne Carver. I mean, he was being very blatant about it. And they may have used national security letters, too, which right. which you're not even allowed to acknowledge. I mean, this is how totalitarian they are, right. that that tell you, give you specific directions, and you, you're required to follow them under penalty of law. And in this case, it would have meant you can't talk about anything you know about Sandy Hook under penalty of prosecution to reinforce it. So they've all clammed up. Yeah. The other One other thing I'd heard was, like you were saying, how they... They brought families in over a period of time, yeah. over years. I had I read it somewhere where these were like uh, people that had done stuff for the CIA, like not work as like operatives or whatever, but these were like fa- families of people for the CIA. Like Newtown had kind of become like a CIA off, like a... Well, it's inter- you know what I mean? That, that's just, entirely possible, though I haven't put that piece of the puzzle together myself. Then, I mean, in a way, it kind of would make sense because you've got all these people that are in the CIA. Why, why would they, or or part of it, being paid by or something? Well, there's also one of the two national headquarters of the Church of Satan in, in Newtown, oddly enough. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's weird. I mean, there's a yeah. very, some very <laughs> weird aspects to this. Just to complete the story about my visit with Wolfgang, however. Yeah. Uh, so that evening we went to the monthly meeting of the Newtown School Board. And coming in, they had forms that they would not respond to any question, but they would allow each of us three minutes if we wanted to make comments. So Wolfgang went first and laid out some of his concerns, and I was second. And uh, the principal question I addressed was when where the parents notified that their children were attending school in a toxic waste dump. Because mm-hmm. obviously a school board has a responsibility to make sure these are yeah. safe surroundings, right. etc. In fact, get this. Uh, when he gave his press conference on the day of the purported event, the governor, Malloy, who, by the way, is apparently illiterate, cannot read <laughs> or write, so far as I know, his signature. This is very strange. Yeah. Announced during the press conference that he and the lieutenant governor had been spoken to that something like this might happen. And that got me thinking, spoken to by whom? Something like this? What could he possibly mean? There were only two alternatives. That someone had warned him that someone might go berserk and come into a Connecticut public school and shoot up a bunch of kids, in which case he obviously had the obligation to notify the school districts to increase their level of security to ensure it didn't happen. Which he didn't do. Yeah, that didn't happen. Or alternatively, that he'd been told they were going to take an abandoned school, conduct a drill, present it as a live event in order to promote gun control, which is exactly what did happen. And the answer by whom I found was reported by Reuters that on, as I recall, it was the 17th of November, 
Eric Holder had come to Connecticut to discuss issues related to the Obama administration's gun control agenda with the governor. So he's notified by Eric Holder they were going to take an abandoned school and conduct a drill present his live event to promote gun control. A month and two days later, on the 16th of January 2013, Barack Obama signed 23 executive orders related to gun control. Wow. 23. Some people would say, yeah, but he never did anything about it. Then, well, they just, he signed 23 executive orders. That no. doesn't something about it. He also introduced men, new mental health programs at a level where never, no one ever here to Florida imagined was appropriate for elementary schools and so forth. And some are concerned that those mental health programs may ultimately fruition into making your physician a spy on you to report whether or not you own guns, and if you own guns, therefore you may be mentally incompetent and unable to... I mean, it's this insidious. It's this nasty. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, Barack Obama was right behind this pitching all the way. I mean, the stunning number of events that were phony false flag events during his second administration because they revised the Smith-Mutt Act of 1948 that precluded the use of the same techniques of disinformation and propaganda within the United States that were being used abroad with a 2013 NDAA, National Defense Appropriation Act, which was signed earlier. And it's coincident with that that we find all these phony events going on that, that are now consistent with the law because smith Mod has been nullified. Wow. Was, <clears throat> was Nancy ever a real person? Nancy, Nancy Lanza? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, they're real good questions. You they know, never produced a body. Or nah, no, the whole thing's like bizarre. That. And then it was supposed to be this boy, Ryan, who's supposed to be Adam's brother and all that. Some researchers find that there was a school of music of some kind there in New Newtown, and it looked very much as though the image of Adam Lanza was based upon one of the kid musicians who performed at this this. Yeah, I've heard the whole... Uh, but yeah. the, the, the whole thing is completely ridiculous, completely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and there was a yearbook we found yesterday that said not pictured, and it had Adam Lanza's name yeah. in there, which I thought was kind of odd, because that was the first time we'd ever seen his actual name. They, they appear to have fabricated you know, documents to try and make it look as mm -hmm. though there were meetings of the school board involving Sandy Hook and all that, but it's complete... Bullshit. I mean, yeah. It's just bullshit. Yeah, we could never find a picture so if Ryan and Adam were brothers. And on the day of the together. event, they were showing video from St. Rose of Lima, another school in uh, in uh, Newtown, and claiming it was Sandy Hook. And most of the footage was around the firehouse. It wasn't around the school. They right. even moved a sign there to make it look as though the firehouse had been the school, when, right. of course, it was well up the road. In fact, the the fire chief of this a volunteer fire department and his daughter, both of whom are... EMT qualified, rushed down there to lend their assistance, but were turned away. This is very much like uh, in Boston. Two priests who wanted to come and administer last rites to the injured there in Boston were kept back from the police because it would have blown the cover that these were actually amputee actors and not, hadn't just lost limbs and, and that this wasn't real blood and... Believe it or not, uh, I was astonished when Nathan Folks, a Hollywood producer-director, identified one of the key players, a tall guy in a cowboy hat, as an actor he'd cast in one of his own films, had used smoke machines. So we went through it and we looked uh, through all the photos and films and found a studio-quality smoke machine. I was so stunned I put the image on the back cover of And Nobody Died in Boston either. Right, which is 
right back there. Yeah. Uh, that, that book is wonderful because, the, I'll tell you frankly, the Boston the Marathon bombing is about the most straightforward of all of these events to understand, including because you had a, a, a police using bullhorns calling out, This is a drill! This is a drill! I mean, we got the video footage. We got people who were in the marathon talking about the cops about blowing out that they had bomb smiths sniffing dogs around there. You got the Boston Globe, a once distinguished newspaper, tweeting that a, a demonstration bomb is going to be set off during the marathon for the benefit of bomb squad activities. Another tweet: it, one will be set off in one minute in front of the library. One minute later, in front of the Boston Public Library, one of these explosives is set off. Now, I'm a former artillery officer in the Marine Corps. I tell you, these were puff bombs. I don't think they could have killed anyone unless you were actually sitting on it. Not, not only that, but that if you go through the smoke and look at the bodies there, yes, they're missing arms and legs, but there is no blood. Right. And as Lorraine Day, who was in charge of trauma surgery for San Francisco General Hospital for 25 years, observed, it's impossible to have arms and legs blown off by explosives and there to be no blood. Right. The blood only shows up. It came out of tubes. It's Hollywood blood. I mean, in many of my presentations, for example, the real deal special must-see Boston bombing update or the real deal special must-see Sandy Hook update you can find online. I go through, you know, the, the proof that this wasn't real blood. These weren't real actors. Uh, Gary King, with whom I collaborate on the new JFK show, where we discuss the latest developments in research, featured guests, Larry Rivera, Don Fox, Gary, and myself, discovered, after I pointed out that they used two different actors for Jeff Bauman, who's the most famous victim. He's lying there with his legs blown off below the knee, except... Yeah. In, behind the smoke, there's a guy in a hoodie helping to attach a false bone extension on one of his legs to give more horrific visual impression. If he'd actually lost his legs from the bleeding out, he'd have been unconscious in one minute, dead in two. Mm-hmm. And say he's lying there, oh, I'd say f- a good five minutes before Carlos Arredondo and others come to put him into a wheelchair, which is the last thing you do with someone suffering from lower extremity right. uh, oh. decapitation because the gravity then will help to draw the blood yeah. out of your leg. And Carlos <laughs> along beside the wheelchair with a loose piece of rag that couldn't possibly actually serve as a tourniquet, and the vibrations are so great that the prosthesis comes loose and they have to stop and reattach it. <laughs> we saw these pictures. We were looking. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous looking, actually. It, it looks like a horrible B-movie or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think actually they redid that when they had to go back and do it again because they weren't happy with the first take. Yeah. But get this, I noticed that 17 days later you have this is supposed to be Jeff Bauman at a Boston Bruins game. Yeah. Now the interesting thing is we've identified the first Jeff Bauman. His name is Nick Voigt. He was a lieutenant in the army in Afghanistan, lost his lower legs, and the little finger on his left hand. So Jeff Bowman, number one, is missing his legs below the knee and the little finger on his left hand. Jeff Bowman, number two, at the Boston Bruins game, has all of his digits, and now his legs are missing above the knee. Above the knee. Yeah. And he's looking extremely cheerful. Now, before his demise, I was on the air with Dr. Stan Monteith, who was an orthopedic surgeon who performed these kinds of amputations, and Dr. Stan explained he was very puzzled because it takes three months just to recover from the surgery or the loss of your legs, and another three to learn how to get around without them. And here this guy was cheerful as could be in his wheelchair, missing his legs above the knee, holding a banner of the Boston Bruins, real cheerful, chipper, happy, with all his digits. Well, to my astonishment, Gary King found a third Jeff 
Bauman wow. at a baseball game. That's him there. Yeah. Actually, and he's missing all of his legs, and he's wheeled out there by none other than Carlos Arredondo. So yeah. we published online. You can find it. Boston Strong, the three Jeff Baumans. Yeah, there's... It's set. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a different. Yeah, and and they're different from that guy there. That's supposed Mm -hmm. to be him. And there's Carlos with his cowboy hat. Yeah. They even went onto the website for for Nathan Folk's film, which was on the prosecution of a president, because uh, and they took off all the all the actors' names, so he couldn't find Carlos Arredondo on there. Wow. I've had. Communications with with Nathan. I mean, he's a super good guy. I mean, I interviewed him before, and you know, it's just embarrassing. Now, get this: the explosions were in black nylon backpacks. Mm-hmm. The FBI report confirmed it. Uh, the indictment for Zoker affirmed it. But even the footage, which turns out to have been photoshopped of the brothers at the marathon, showed them wearing. Backpacks that were not black and brown. Right. So, I mean, how sloppy is this? They can't even fake their own patsies. You know, they can't yeah. even get the backpacks right. right. In, in fact, it turns out that uh, Tamerlan, neither of the brothers were there. Tamerlan was called by a friend afterwards, relieved to discover he hadn't been at the marathon. They had dinner together, and he had a beard. In fact, it was their aunt, Marette Saranova, who even had a degree in law from the University of Moscow, mm-hmm. had told me they'd been photoshopped, and I asked, can you prove it? And she started sending me photographs, because in the in the, in the film they have of them at the marathon, Tamerlan is clean-shaven. And she sent me a photograph of him with his cat. He's got a beard. She sent me a link to where they're working out at the gymnasium, both the brothers, Shortly before the marathon, he's got a beard. I mentioned having dinner with a friend. He's got a beard. There's a, there's a, a convenience store footage where Zoker's inside Tamerlan. He's got a beard. He's arrested, stripped naked, and put into a police vehicle in Watertown. He has a beard. Now, I could have identified him, but how much better that his aunt and his mother identified him, mm-hmm. which is ironic because Zoker is alleged to have killed him by running him over in his SUV because the next time we see him, he's lying prostrate on a table with a huge gash in his side, and he's got a beard. <laughs> now, since Zoker couldn't have had access once he's taken into police custody, it's not possible that he was responsible. In fact, we have a witness who says she watched the police drive over him three times in a black SUV, apparently his own vehicle. Wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and these brothers were under surveillance for, what, five years? Well, that's very interesting because, you see, the alternative media cracked this case already the day of the marathon bombing. In fact, Obama came out after the bombing. was more upset that his gun control legislation had failed to be passed by the Congress than he was with what happened in Boston. And, and by that evening, they'd already identified the real per- perps, who were these craft international personnel wearing khaki trousers, black jackets, black baseball backs with a skull insignia, mm-hmm. where the motto of craft is, violence does solve problems. Yeah. And we have photographs of two of these guys heading to the location where one of the backpacks exploded. One is wearing a black nylon backpack with a white square sewn on it. The backpack that exposed a black nylon backpack with a white square, and then we see him rushing away, no longer wearing the black nylon backpack backpack with with a white square on it. I, I asked a retired professor of law, John Remington Graham, what of all the evidence we had, which was quite a lot, was the most significant from a legal point of view. And he said it was that the backpacks don't match. 
which means that there wasn't even probable cause for an arrest, much less an indictment or a conviction at trial. Now, they made this film called Patriot's Day with Kevin Bacon, and they fabricate a scene to try to explain how Zoker had driven over Tamerlan that never occurred. Mm-hmm. It was a huge shootout with the bombs they allegedly made up. They're going to go to New York and wreak more havoc. Totally fabricated. No basis, in fact, whatsoever. And you see Zoker tried to get away in the SUV and accidentally running over his brother Tamerlan twice. But it was all phony. Complete nonsense. Utter ball. I mean, rubbish. It's so embarrassing. There's one scene even there where you see Zoker in in a vehicle, and his backpack is there, and it's silver gray. It's not black nylon. So, you know, these people just get pretty shoddy, but the whole thing was just ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's amazing how sloppy they can be with these things. And then it's like they expect nobody to... Look at anything. Yeah, no one's going to question it because we've gotten away and, with it for so many times. Ninety-five percent population doesn't. Right? Yeah, right. right. And then getting that food on that table, keeping that roof yeah. over your head, and just taking their news and sound back bites and believing what they hear from different sources. And those are the ones that they—that's all they're trying to convince. Them. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because the government can just ignore those who actually have figured out what happened. Just ignore right. them. Yep. They're all uh, make them out. Make them out to be of all things conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was so offended by that. I've actually made a video entitled Why I, Jim Fetzer, Am a Conspiracy Theorist. I, I was interviewed for, um, it was another, it was some show uh, on a British program where they did a pre-interview with me. And I recorded the pre-interview. When they actually did the interview, they did it on some way that didn't allow me to record it. But I liked the pre-interview so much that I simply edited it and took out his voice and just mm-hmm. used it as my narrative about conspiracy theory and put it images of me, for example, in the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, San Diego, and all this stuff. I mean, right. so it's a, I want to defang the whole idea that being a conspiracy theorist is is a bad thing. I mean, they they, they introduced the meme to imply that these critics of the Warren Commission are not to be taken seriously, right. even though their evidence actually falsifies the official account, unless they can explain everything that happened in excruciating detail. Otherwise, there's no reason to take them seriously. Right. So I just wanted to defang that by taking the bull by the horns. Why I, Jim Fetzer, am a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. One, one of the pieces I would recommend if anyone wants to see what I'm talking about, because what I do is specialize in taking conspiracy theories from theories in the weak sense of rumors or conjectures or guesses to conspiracy theories in the strong sense of empirically testable explanatory hypotheses because then you can bring the evidence to bear and falsify or confirm them. And, of course, time and time again, we have falsified these accounts. But that's what I do. And for a nice illustration, go online and look at false flags from 9-11 to Sandy Hook and beyond where I cover five different cases from 9-11 to Sandy Hook and beyond. And those included uh, 9-11, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, San Bernardino, and Paris. Mm-hmm. And in relation to San Bernardino, uh, I invited a, a very highly qualified uh, medical technician uh, to come on the show. 
and we went through all the footage from San Bernardino and from Sandy Hook, and he just explained one violation of standard procedure if this had been a bona fide emergency from another. I mean, we just went through them, and you can find that online under the heading, The Real Deal Staging Attacks from Sandy Hook to San Bernardino. Now, this is a really good, competent guy. Just watch that if you have any lingering doubts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, San Bernardino. I, I wasn't intending to talk about that, but that seemed fishy, too, right off the bat. Uh, Here's all you need to know about San Bernardino. We found the Craigslist ad for experts at San Bernardino, <laughs> where they were going to be good pay, uh, food, some speaking roles, and as I recall, the call date was December 1st, going live on December 2nd. And this is the reason you had so many people just wandering around aimlessly, not knowing what they were doing, because they didn't know what they were doing. They were just wandering around aimlessly. Right. But we actually got the Craigslist ad. Wow. <laughs> That's, it's similar to all the Craigslist ads for uh, protesters against Bernie Sanders. Well, well, the whole election was just yeah, was being I mean, run as a psyop and all. Well, in Wisconsin, it was big. We saw it a lot right in this area. Oh, yeah, yep, in with Janesville. the Craigslist ads for when Trump came to Janesville. Yeah, good. The, yeah, good. Yeah, good. Some of these guys were being highly paid. There was one that was blocking an event out in Arizona. Was paid thirty five hundred bucks to up to block the supporters, Trump supporters, from getting to the event. The whole Chicago... Florida, Florida. Hillary in St. Petersburg might draw 300 people, whereas Trump, you know, uh, further down south, was drawing 30,000. So they actually photoshopped in crowds to make it look like Hillary was surrounded by Jordan fans. Yeah. That's embarrassing. It, yeah. It's bad. I see. Whole countries turn into a crock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's all fabricated, all fake. All these attacks on Donald, for the most part, are f just made up out of whole cloth. As I've already explained, there was no Russian hacking. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's astounding to me they're having Robbie Mook, who was one of the, the leaders of her campaign, who made up the Russian hacking meme within 24 hours of her concession speech with John Podesta, drawing together all the communication staff and giving them the script they were going to distribute to show that the responsibility for Hillary's loss wasn't the miserable campaign she ran. For remember, Michael Moore, who's as flaming a liberal as exists in the United States, had predicted she was going to lose because she had neglected the working class families in the Rust Belt states of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin, which is exactly how it played out, mm -hmm. that the responsibility was with Comey and the Russians for hacking that did not occur. There was no hacking of the DNC, no hacking of the RNC, and of course, as I've already mentioned, Seth Rich paid for his with his life for mm -hmm. the act of what's technically known as supererogation, which means going above and beyond the call of duty, right. putting himself at grave risk for the public interest. That's, that's a mess. Oh, um... So let's see. Now we got like our eyeball questions, right? <clears throat> well, I'm trying to think. We we're, we're hitting these. Ex I want to do so much here, but no. it's it's hard to do. We're running um, out sometimes. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll be glad to come back at okay. another another time. Sweet. Okay. Uh, well, that's let, good. let all this get out there and sink in, and then you know. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll come back and go. And invite that. people to uh, write to you and tell you what you they'd like me to pursue. You yeah, know, yeah, stuff yeah. you they'd like me to do more, whatever. Let's do. Uh, is the how how long can we? How quick can we do Holocaust? Like, can we can we get a little bit of on that? You got about fifteen minutes. 
Oh, yeah, sure, that's not a problem. I mean, I, I first became serious about doing research on the Holocaust, which I'd never seriously doubted when I helped to organize and spoke at a conference on academic freedom, Are There Limits to Inquiry, where we used JFK 9-11 and the Holocaust as our examples. And as soon as I began to do research, I realized how overwhelming is the evidence that the official narrative is fabricated, phony, fake. For example, there were 236 references to 6 million Jews in dire straits or fear of loss of their lives in the international media before the Nuremberg Tribunal, beginning as early as 1890. 1890. That's quite a bit of time before World War II when the 6 million are supposed to have been put to death in gas chambers. Not only that, but the International Committee of the Red Cross was keeping records on all the inmates in all the camps. Their, their names, their ages, their nationality, their ethnicity, their religion, their cause of death. In 1993, they recalibrated their totals and wound up with 296,081 who had died from all causes combined, none of which involved being put to death in gas chambers. It turns out that the six million is derivative from a disputed passage in Leviticus that's been interpreted to mean that the chosen people may return to the promised land only when they're minus six million who have been consumed in the flames. But even the number, it requires interpolation because there was no word in the original Hebrew for six million. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact... Uh, these were labor camps. The Germans had put them near munitions facilities, for example. Uh, they were maintaining their health. They were actually using Zyklon B to kill body lice to keep down the spread of typhus and dysentery. If you look at a map of Auschwitz, for example, you find they had a symphony hall, a woodworking shop. They had a hospital with OBGYN. In fact, Get this, hundreds of babies were born at Auschwitz. Now, how is that consistent with the idea that these were centers for extermination? They even had a U.K. soccer team at Auschwitz. I was so stunned to discover that. In Nick Kohlerstrom's brilliant book, uh, Breaking the Spell, that I put it on the back cover of the Moon Book, which now is the second book to be banned yeah. by Amazon.com. <laughs> That's just recently. And, yeah, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. Well, I got four chapters on the moon landing, and believe me, there's mass evidence we didn't go. Even NASA is now admitting that they can't get past the Van Allen radiation belt as though that were a novelty. I've got four on the death and replacement of Paul McCartney, which for some reason evokes nearly as much emotion as Sandy Hook, where people just can't bring themselves to believe it until I, until I discovered the forensic studies of two Italian scientists who set out to refute the hypothesis that Paul had been replaced by showing it was the same person before and after and wound up proving the opposite. Even I was reluctant. You know, I mean, I'm such a fan of the Beatles. At one point in my life, I was asked who I would rather have been had I not been myself, and I said, Paul McCartney. T today, I'm not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Then I had two chapters on the first death of Saddam Hussein actually died on 7 April 2003, just three weeks into the invasion. Uh, Bush was going to announce it on the mission accomplished on the USS Lincoln off the coast of San Diego when someone, we think it was Secretary Rumsfeld, realized that three presidents had signed executive orders against the assassination of the leader of a foreign state, so he would have been showing himself to have violated the law had he actually announced it, which is why the whole thing turned out to be really such a peculiar, inconclusive event. 
Uh, then another two chapters on the second death of Osama bin Laden because he actually was our man in Afghanistan. He was working for the CIA. He was Colonel Tim Osman. He got the Stinger missiles into the hands of the Mujahideen to drive the Soviets out by shooting down their helicopters and planes. They left that out of Charlie Wilson's war with Julia Roberts and Tom Hanks, that Osama was the guy who was the intermediary, uh, and where he actually died on 15 December 2001 was buried in an unmarked grave. Nick Kohlerstrom, same guy, who's the leading expert on the London 7-7 London bombing, by the way. His book, Terror on the Tube, is in its third edition. Published an article on my blog entitled Osama bin Laden, 1957 to 2001, where he shows many of the doubles that they used as replacements. Yeah. Uh, David Ray Griffin, the dean of 9-11 studies, published a book, Osama bin Laden, Dead or Alive. Turns out that both Fox News, CNN, and other networks were carrying the announcement already on 26 December that Osama bin Laden was dead. The New York Times wouldn't catch up for another six months with an article entitled Bin Ladenism is Dead, and it begins saying that the reports say that Osama bin Laden died six months ago in you know, Afghanistan, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think they're just so much under control of the CIA, they can't even bring you themselves to it, admit openly when you know they've been bamboozling the public, as, which continues to this day, of course. Right. Uh, and... Uh, when they put out the film Zero Dark Thirty, I was so offended that I published an article, Zero Dark Thirty, The Deeper, Darker Truths, and explained how Osama had been our man, what had happened, how he died, how we knew, all that. And I added how that Obama had found it politically expedient to resurrect him, to kill him again, uh, because he was under criticism from Guantanamo still being open, from, uh, from uh, having troops stationed in Pakistan, and his birth certificate was still surfacing. This is long before Sheriff Joe Apayo demonstrated, you know, that it was a fabrication. That this is the the Hawaiian long form. I'd actually had an expert on years before on at radiofetzer.blogspot.com where we'd gone through it, and it was clearly a fraud. I have what I believe to be his original, which actually was from Kenya. It's got his footprint on it. Wow. So I, I did a little short real deal called trashing Trump unjustly for being a birther, proving once again that he was exactly right, just like he was right about Rafael Cruz, who not only was there in uh, New Orleans in front of the trademark, but he was captured in a famous color photograph by a Dallas uh, morning news photographer, where in the up, where Rafael Cruz is there with Antonio Vesiana, who is the founder of Alpha 66, and I use that photograph on the cover of Assassination Science. Mm -hmm. So you look on the cover of Assassination Science, in the upper right-hand corner, there's Rafael Cruz together with Antonio Vesiana. Mm -hmm. It's impossible he could have been to these two key locations at these key, two key moments in time and not been on the fringe of the JFK assassination. He wasn't a player, he wasn't a shooter, but he was involved. Yeah, on the fridge. That's funny when Trump brought that up. How quick uh, Ted Cruz got out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, and he did some bluster denying it, but he'd shut up about it yeah. because, of course, it's true. We, we've done this on the new JFK show. We went through it in spades, mm -hmm. documenting his role there. But in addition, let's see. Did I uh, with the Holocaust? Uh, oh, oh, oh! I know what I meant to add. Then they had a so so oh oh. They use a staged photograph 
of members of the staff. You got Obama there. You got Joe Biden there. You got Hillary there, looking at what's supposed to be a big screen TV with these events going down in real time. Until Leon Panetta, then the director of the CIA, blew their cover by saying there'd been no coverage for the first uh, 20, 25 minutes, which was the total lap time of the entire event. Local villagers had been asked. They'd never seen Osama there. They said the man in the photograph with a clicker was the owner of the compound, not Osama bin Laden. There was no dialysis equipment there. You know, the guy had these medical maladies. The whole thing's ridiculous. They claim they buried him at sea in accordance with Muslim tradition, but that's not in accordance with Muslim tradition. That's disrespectful of the body. The crustaceans and the fish are going to eat it nibble away at the body and so he was buried in an unmarked grave in accordance with Muslim tradition this is all such total utter bullshit and there's just no better word that's what our government has become the world's greatest conveyor of bullshit by the quantity any quantity you order the specification they'll deliver so crazy yeah it's it's uh so you can actually go visit uh, Osama bin Laden's grave you just got to figure out which one it is. Well, because it's unmarked. See, that's right. another way. That's yeah. another yeah. way. They protect yeah. the body and respect yeah. it. They regard that as a form of respect. Yeah, if you go try and dig it up, dude, they're shooting. But, but, but look, an official from the agency visited him in the hospital in Dubai shortly before his death. I mean, yeah. He worked for us. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I've heard that. So oh, I did. Yeah. And there's, there's Colonel Tim Osman. Uh, Saddam Hussein. He wasn't one of the Osman family. Right. Right. Well, Maria's doing all these fantastic ads. She looks real good. <laughs> they must be successful because she's doing so many of them. Um, I was like Donnie Maru when I was a kid, grew up with a, you know, their, their show. Yeah. Uh, Saddam Hussein was also working for us, and that whole thing with... with well, it's very interesting about, yeah, about uh, uh, Saddam. Here's what happened, because I, I know the mother of the B-1 bomber pilot who took him out, who contacted me to tell me the, about the real story, and I asked her again, could she prove it? She started sending me stuff, including... An article in the New York Times where Dick Cheney is quoting, saying, yeah, I believe we got him. His lifeless body was drug out of the rubble. He was on a mission. When he was given new coordinates, he was told this was the big one. He dropped four or 500-pound JDAM bombs on a restaurant on the outskirts of Baghdad. He got Saddam, his two sons, and 50 members of the general staff. When he got back to base, he was lionized. He was put on CNN. He would be awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross. What happened was they live in Orange County where the Reverend Robert Schiller has the Crystal Cathedral whose events are televised. And he had a service where he honored Chris Walker for taking out Saddam Hussein. And Chris was, you know, there in in uniform and the Reverend Schiller got back to Langley. They had him fly back and they told him how they admired his flying skills that officially Saddam got away. They put a double in a spider hole, took him out, put him on trial. Joe Viles, a, a photojournalist from Australia, noticed that the teeth were wrong and the bite was wrong. That Saddam had excellent teeth and an overbite, meaning your upper teeth extend beyond your lower teeth. The double had bad teeth and an underbite, where his lower teeth extend beyond his upper teeth. I checked with the command. The U.S. command had put out a deck of cards where Saddam Hussein was the ace of spades and verified what Joe Viles had observed and ran the story you know, about this fraud regarding Saddam. I frankly believe that they had an arrangement with the double that if he was cooperative that uh, they'd have a platform there when they hung him. But in fact, I think that they would have double-crossed kids. You can't afford to have Saddam Hussein walking around after he's allegedly been tried and hung. Pretty easy to not have the platform there. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, this kind of duplicity is stock and trade for the CIA, for the American government, you know. No, No one should believe us. Right. 
And it's not to do with Donald Trump being president. I'm talking about go back to Ronald Reagan and work your way forward. I mean, Jimmy Carter was an honest guy, I do believe. Bill Clinton, my God, his history of corruption is overwhelming. <laughs> Hillary, I, I don't think we've ever had a more a corrupt candidate for president of the United States than Hillary. Yeah, I believe that. We, yeah, we, do, we dodged a big boat. But I do say, by the way, I think all these, the, the use of doubles for Hillary began after she collapsed uh, at the 911 memorial. Mm-hmm. And there were three reports that evening from ABC in New York, ABC in Washington, and a local network that she was dead. And frankly, now, from all my study of the use of doubles, which include in the debates with Bernie Sanders and in the debates with Donald Trump, they were using a double. And more recently, they find that the present imposter has a little voice box in her, in her mouth that enables her to sound just like Hillary Clinton. Uh, I think Hillary actually died that very same day, as was reported, but then covered up. Wow. And now, that was the day that she was rushed to Chelsea's house, right? Well, they didn't say where they were rushing her. It's very interesting, this new uh, apartment Chelsea obtained. She already had a super apartment, but this is one on a floor where there was a private hospital. And they just closed it up, so it only had one patient, Hillary Rodham Clinton. So, you know, she died, and they sent out the double. I don't think she died until the evening, but she was not fit for public appearances. And they brought the May Grain double, and then they brought the Meryl Streep double, and... (laughs) Now they got Hillary in the house, and even the New York Times reporter won't acknowledge it isn't Hillary after I write him and give him the proof, tell him where he can see the difference. Yeah. Well, she's going to run again in 2020. That's what they tell us. You know, trying to talk about keeping hope alive. Well, yeah. it's interesting because uh, it's not. This is not a desiccated corpse. This is a younger, more fit version of Hillary Clinton. She's. Much more attractive. She's more animated. You watch her body language and gestures. This is not right. the real Hillary. This is but someone why? who's doing a very good improvisation. Yeah. So Hillary Clinton 3.0. I don't understand, though, when you lost so like she did in this most recent election, why not just go with a different route, with, with a different person altogether? Why are we still... Well, Hillary has this history, and she's supposed to represent something, especially to liberal women, you know. But there's a reason people didn't vote for her, because... Well, of course. I mean... She had a miserable campaign. There were all kinds of reasons. They did a study of the commercials. Hillary's were all attacks on Donald Trump as a person. His were a mix of personal with policy issues, and they were much more effective. Yeah. And the doll just was much more attractive, because we're so sick of the way business has been done for all these years, and he offered the promise... I'm still hoping against hope that he's going to follow through and do good things for the American people, even though there are reasons to have questions at this point in time about whether he will follow through. Right. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. We'll have to have you back. Yeah. Thanks for uh, coming, Jim. To do do a lot more. Be my pleasure, you guys. Real. We appreciate Enjoyed you it. coming. Thanks Excellent. for being here. Jim is finally taking a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I want. I, I challenge any listener to actually email us and tell us it's all bullshit. Oh, definitely. If you're gonna just write that, 
Any pussy can do that. Well, no, but I mean, seriously, like, like you really honestly believe still yeah. that it's bullshit? I want to hear from you, and I want to find out why you think it's bullshit still. I, there's no I'd be way you very could. curious. If anybody will email people. and say, legitimately, no, this is not what it is because of this. Link articles, do whatever you have to do yeah. to prove your perspective. If, if, and honestly, if you're thinking this is complete and utter nonsense, you have a question like, no, because uh, what about this mm-hmm. that maybe Jim didn't cover? So send that too. Send that question. Uh, whatever. Because Jim's going to come back and he wants questions. Yeah. So you're thinking right now, well, how, how do I do that? How do I send you that email? Well, that's how I do it. Thinktankpot at gmail.com. Slow it down for everybody out there that's been taking notes and, you know, their pa- their can't handle hurt, yeah. the fast talking that they just listen to. Let me slow it down. Thinktankpod at gmail.com. Yeah. It's very simple. Uh, email. If you disagree, email questions you may have. If you're not sure, you probably have questions. Um, other topics you want Jim to look into. Yeah. Right? Um, email your thoughts and concerns period like if you liked it tell us why you liked it and you know if you got compliments we need, we'd like to share them with Jim right and if you didn't like it why yeah it's just because it goes against your it's hard for people to really bend their mind because the news said it and it's so crazy that that's that's what it's come to well, the mm. news said it how why would they how could they lie it's very easy. Every single one of those people are paid to tell you what they're told. Like yeah. They have a teleprompter. They don't make the news they're up. They're paid it. to read whatever it says in front of them. Exactly. And if they do go off uh, script, they don't see them the next day. They're axed. So, I mean, that alone should tell you. And if you want to go deeper, like what you and I have been saying in the past, follow ownership trails. Follow money trails. You will find out they're all owned and ran by the same big corporations, the same people the same families it all goes back to that mm-hmm. there's a narrative that's decided and then it's portrayed on a big scale like this it's very clear i don't know how anybody could question it yeah, but obviously there's people out there do so we want to hear from you you know there's a challenge will you accept uh also you can tweet at us at the think tank pod if you're on twitter um yeah Jim's going to come back at some point. We're going to give some time for these emails to come in, people to listen to it and all that, and then we'll ask him back uh, and throw these bunch of questions at him, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk about moon landing, which we couldn't really get into. Yep. We briefly touched on a Holocaust. We run out of time, so we'll probably do more on that. Um, I don't know. He's always got something. We'll, we might do current day stuff, whatever currently is happening mm-hmm. at that point with him. Either way, I, I like to make him a, a regular. It'd be cool. Once if he's a year, willing, and once, he seemed to know, be once or twice a year or something. Yeah, he seemed to be pretty interested. So, yeah, um, we'll do that. Uh, go to if you want to buy some of his books and you want to help us at the same time. Go to thearyman.com, Click the sponsor tab. Amazon banner. Bookmark it. Search his name. He's got all his books listed there. You can look by Jim and James Fetzer. Yep, uh, and that's F E T Z E R. Is his last name. Um, if you want to get the books that you can't get on Amazon, go to moonrockbooks.com, and you can get the uh, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, as well as, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. Yeah, and you have your choice, black and white or color. 
for all of them, yep. not just those two. He's got uh, seven books listed on Moonrock Books currently. You should be able to get all of those. Uh, he recommends the color, and you can also get them signed or unsigned um, by him. So that's a cool little addition. Also go to Jim's website, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com. Tons of information there if you're curious about anything else Jim is uh, covering. He also does a podcast of his own called The Real Deal uh, with Jim Fetzer Podcast. It's at radiofetzer.blogspot.com. What else? I think that's pretty much it. Next week, Dave, next week, we have, whoops, there we go. Um, The wrong thing again. The anticipation. Next week, Pizzagate. Oh, yeah. That was an interesting episode. Jim actually mentioned Pizzagate briefly. Briefly. Uh, And that's another thing. We did our own Pizzagate. We'll probably do Pizzagate with Jim at some point. Yeah, because I think he he has a lot more knowledge than us. Yeah, he's got a lot more. Yeah, he's like the godfather of conspiracy facted. <laughs> right. We do our, our 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 best attempt at trying to break down this whole Pizzagate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think we'll we'll come back and have because Jim's gone way deep into yeah, it. Yeah, we're like intermediate, and he's like super expert. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's cool though. I like having him as a as a resource. Yeah, dude. He's he's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah I like him. Good so dude, good dude. Uh, that's next week, and uh, yeah, then after that, Dave, Ruby Ridge, yeah, Waco, and Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, so there's yeah. the next four weeks are are already scheduled and planned. I can't wait. And, awesome. uh, they're all pretty good episodes. So well, we got a lot going on here. So just keep coming back, subscribing, telling your friends, and uh, get the word out there for sure. So yeah. Uh, phoenixbeardoils.com once again uh, just go there read all about it um, if you have any questions you can contact Dave uh, when you're checking out cause you're going to go there and buy something obviously yeah, there'd be no Got reason you. not to um, enter the promo code D2R and you'll get 10% off your entire order so there you have it there we go see you next week for Pizzagate bringing our pizzas making me hungry already <laughs>